Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the first Adulting 101 podcast session. Um, I'm super excited to get this underway. My name is Nathaniel Davids. Um, I'm going to be chairing this session. Uh, I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> this is the first time I get to say it. Um, and essentially, this podcast, if you are listening to it for the first time, um, is all about the adulting process. You know, you a either you a graduate or you come from school and you start slowly making your way into adulthood. One minute you were playing around in the sand, on the field, and you were worried about sweets and, I don't know, you had an opinion on colors. And next thing you know, you need three months back in statement for something. And uh, you need a stamp from this person and that person. And then... Like we all do, we, we end up wanting to get a car, which is going to be the main focus of today's conversation. And um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be transparent. This is going to be a transparent conversation about the process of getting, getting a car, especially for graduates um, and those moving into the working field and um, what to look out for um, and just debunking some myths. Now, I'm not going to be alone in this conversation. I have a panel of esteemed guests joined with me. Um, and I'm going to allow them, we're going to go around the room and allow them to introduce themselves. Um, we're going to start on the right-hand side. We have Jillian Gotzel, um, affectionately also known on Twitter as the Tweeting Gogo. I love that. <laughs> um, welcome. I'm Dr. Godsell. I'm a retired academic and... I'm on Twitter because it's so interesting and because you get to say things like don't do debt. Yes, yes, yes. Quick one, where, how, where, the handle, firstly, I must give you a award for that. I feel like I want to give you a award for that. Where did Tweeting Google come from? When I was first on Twitter, I was at an education conference yes. and I was live tweeting the conference yes. and I suddenly looked up and there was the organizer with her hands on her hips looking at me saying it's you Gogo doing all this tweeting ah, and I loved that so yes. I claimed it yeah. and I'm the tweeting Gogo and I have a series of my own podcasts nice. under the title tweeting Gogo catches stories fantastic welcome tweeting Gogo <laughs> um, we're gonna move over to our next guest um, the piggy banker hi piggy banker Hi, how are you? I'm all good. So tell us about yourself. Uh, so I am a retired and or rather reformed debtaholic um, who decided to share her journey getting out of debt um, and what I did to stay out of debt. And that resulted in Piggy Banker. So it started off as Diary of a Reformed Debtaholic. And then as it gained, um, gathered steam, I changed it up a bit and... Um, made at piggybanker.com and Piggy is where I go to share insights about how to manage your finances and of late it's undergoing a bit of a revamp where we're going to talk a lot more about your money and emotions because I think it's all good and well that you can give people a 10-step plan on how to budget but if they don't have their emotions in check and they don't know how to discipline themselves um it's pointless. So that's really what I'd like to do more of. Um, really getting into the nitty gritty, your money, the emotions around it, how it leads to you making good or bad decisions and what you can do to make better decisions. I really love that point. Money and emotions. That is something we're definitely going to touch up on a little bit later. Um, and then um, the last of the guests, um, all the way from West Bank, Thrush. Um, welcome. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
So I'm Tirosh. I'm from West Bank. I have been with West Bank for many years, instrumental in the design of the product of graduate finance. Um, the purpose of the product was designed to be able to give the young millennial, the young adult who enters the corporate world, the start that you deserve in terms of getting your first vehicle financed and getting yourself on the road. All right. So on that note, um, you mentioned graduate finance. Um, some people may not know about it. Some may know about it. But tweeting Gogo, uh, doctor, should I call you doctor? No, no, I no. Not, no. Yeah, it feels nice, though. Dr. Gotzel. Um, um, Jillian, you, when, when West Bank put out a, a post last, um, last year surrounding the, you guys had the launch of graduate finance and, um, Jillian, you got onto Twitter and you put out a post saying, dear graduates, in response to one of the graduate finance tweets, you put out a post saying, um, dear graduates, don't begin your career with debt. Tell us more about that. Why did you feel that you had to put that tweet out there in response to West Bank? Because I think young people, all people actually, old people are as bad about debt as young people, can get misled by that first salary package. And I do think that some banks prey on students. When my daughters were students, I stood over them while they cut up all the unsolicited credit cards that arrived in the post. I stood over them while they cut them up into the rubbish bin. I take quite a hard line on debt because sometimes you never get out. I understand there are circumstances where it's necessary, but there you are. You've just had the really heady and wonderful and well-earned experience of walking across the stage and getting your degree or your diploma or whatever it is. And it's wonderful and you are in a new place. You aren't where you were before. And to take that headiness into the murky world of debt, that really scared me. Because if you do it wrong, you may never get out. And so I took this hardline thing and I just said, don't do debt. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, naturally, West Bank was like, oh, gosh, my word. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you from... So I graduated um, last year, uh, completed my degree. And um, in my initial car buying journey... I won't lie, I was petrified. Very much like you, um, Jill, uh, back in... Can I call you Jill? Is that fine? I'm just making sure, making sure. Don't want to get too friendly. Um, so essentially, my my history when it comes to car buying journey is my, my mom and my dad had their car repossessed twice. So naturally, I would be scared. I would be scared because I have a family legacy that was very apparent to what happens when you don't look after or manage your debt properly. And um, I remember my mom telling me, you know, don't make the mistakes, financial mistakes that we made. So naturally, Nathaniel went into the dealership very inquisitive, super inquisitive, because when I sat down with the dealer, all I heard was words that I didn't understand. He might as well have been speaking Greek to me, because I just heard interest rate, flexible interest rate, uh, balloon payment, I heard about prime this, prime that, and I'm lost. And when I searched for any kind of content uh, to help me, because 
being a millennial, I was like, you know what? Google is my friend. Um, most of the content at that point in time was mainly um, American. Um, there wasn't really a large uptake of South African banks at the time or any institution like guiding me along that process that really spoke to me. So um, how how going forward with, with graduates, how can they prepare themselves so they can go and walk into a dealership um, well-equipped with knowing what to ask and, and what the starting point is? What would that starting point be, uh, Piggy Banker, for, for a student? Because like Jill said, you're super excited. You know, you have a lot of emotion going on within you and you see this paycheck, but you also hear this gibberish in the dealership. I think the very most important thing is patience. <laughs> lots and lots of patience. Um, I remember when I bought my first card, it was an almost eight month process, um, really, of deciding what it is I wanted, how I was going to go about deciding what affordability looked like. And I had to be very clear about what affordability looked like, because I think a lot of us will walk in and somebody will say something like balloon payment and we automatically think that means I can squeeze my way into affordability yeah. because I don't have to think about a lump sum of this money yeah. until right at the very end. And surely, because I'm educated, by the time I get to this, uh, the end of this uh, payment term, I'll, I'll obviously fine, have yeah. made that yeah. money, so yeah. it's fine. The reality is often incredibly different from what you imagine it yeah. to be. So I really think... Be very deliberate about what it is you want. And by what you want, I don't mean what your friends want, what is popular, but what serves the need. Your first car is that. It should be a A to B thing, you know? Yeah. I need it to get from work home or if I need it for my daily work activity, that's the purpose it should serve. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember my list was not on the top 10 um, cars to be hijacked. That eliminated a great deal of stress in terms of looking for a car. There was the cap that I was willing to pay in installments. I had to think about insurance because I also think when we think about that, people focus so much on the installment and focus on, do I have enough for a deposit? Do I have an installment? You forget about the upkeep and maintenance of the car. You forget about things like, I'll need to replace the tires every now and then. Yeah. I'll need to do X, I'll need to do Y. I'll need to know when to change the oil if they don't do it when it's service time. I'll need to take it for service. And it might if it's a second-hand car, it'll be covered for a very limited period after which I must pay for that service out of pocket. So we don't think about those decisions. But like you said, interest rates, What? where are we? Does it make sense for me to buy a car right now? Are the interest rates favorable? Am I taking fixed or variable? Yeah. Fixed, great, because that leaves me with a, cert a, a degree of certainty. But also, you know, you don't have, you don't know what's going to happen with the economy. So decide what matters for you. Is it, am I going to take a chance? What do I think is going to happen? And if you have the kind of knowledge or, um, if you're an economics student <laughs> who, can, <laughs> who knows how to um, navigate your way around yeah. numbers, economic numbers, then perhaps, you know, you can sit down and say, I'll take variable because the economy looks like it's going to pick up. But for most people, if certainty matters and you know that a little diversion from your actual budget might just throw your whole life off balance then you need to make the decision. Does certainty just make sense for me yeah. at this point in time in life? Because 
if my disposable income isn't sufficient to accommodate that shift, you want to work around that. Exactly. Tharaj, mm. um, when it comes to graduate finance and, and the, the product offering, um, there is things like um, one of the talking points is that there's um, tailored or credit, credit history, for example, is not essential. Um, tailored interest rates. Are these things that are factually happening and, and is, is it, was it created for students to, to make the process easier? I know there's also a, an assistant that guides you through the process. Um, tell us more about that and does it speak to the things that, like I said, an everyday graduate who is you know, bright-eyed, wanting to make sure that he goes ahead and she goes ahead buying the right car. Is there some kind of, you know, cautionary, let us make sure you make the right decision and not an impulsive decision that's going to bite you in the in the backside later on? So, Nathaniel, coming back to what uh, uh, Julian had originally touched on in terms of um, of of the individual over indebting themselves. Yeah. So at the time of the product being designed, it was purely on the basis that once you've reached that aha moment, I have, I now know I've got the degree, I have secured the employment, I now need to know how I am going to get to work and back. And then like Deneo has pointed out, you need something that's going to get you from A to B, not something that I'm going to pull up in the car park with and impress my friends. No. So that was our thinking around designing, designing graduate finance. Um, and the idea was to actually make it as simple, transparent and easy as possible for the, la- the, the millennial to actually be able to acquire it. So we're speaking of a generation who is extremely tech savvy, who understands a lot about um, um, may not totally understand everything about finance, but understands a little bit around ba- banking. And we tried very, uh, we tried to actually fit that together. And um, our website website gives them a lot of information around what to to look out for. Qu- most commonly asked questions, um, things that they had not thought of. Things like you alluded to in terms of uh, Deneo uh, of running costs, of my petrol costs, mm-hmm. of things like maintenance costs. When I know how much I can afford, then I should actually go out and look for a vehicle of my choice. Mm-hmm. We have consultants internally who would guide the individual through the process. So once the application is completed, well, actually before the application is completed, our systems allow you an opportunity to to determine how much you qualify for. You know, can I afford the car of my dreams? And how much is the car of my dreams? Um, Based on that, you could complete the application. Once the application is completed and a consultant will make contact with you and speak to you about these about these inf- important information, yeah. as well as guide you in terms of what you should be looking at for insurance, what you should be budgeting on if it exceeds, uh, you know, um, what is what the bank assumes as as the maximum budget. Yeah. Uh, based on all those factors, uh, working together with the consultant, then the individual can go out and actually make an a, a, uh, informed decision yeah. around graduate finance. We refer to extremely competitive interest rates. The idea is not to put the the individual into debt. The idea is to ensure that he can get an affordable installment with the car of his dreams so that he has got sufficient budget for things like petrol costs, for things like, um, you know, your running costs, yeah. um, your insurance and, and all the other costs you would incur as yeah. an individual. 
Joel? I guess what I want to say to students is please dream realistically. The car of your dreams is all very well, but falling into debt so that all of your monthly money goes to debt repayment and you've got nothing left over. This is not what anybody dreams about. And look, I learned a lot through that Twitter exchange. I started with a very hard line, don't do debt, which is still basically what I believe. But people came back and said, we can't get a job if we don't have a car. And I know that people who are doing their articles, people who are training to be lawyers or chartered accountants, it's expected of them. And unfortunately, they are not paid concomitant with affording a car. So maybe I soften my stance, but I am very wary of predatory capitalism, which is the stage of capitalism we find ourselves in now, where a lot of people are simply trying to make as much as they can. So you have to be wary and aware. But I do understand that, look, my first five years of work, I caught the bus, I walked. We had very good public transport. It wasn't a problem not having a car, but I do concede that times are different now and some people may need a car. I know Deneo is jumping in here. Um, I think very important, um, I suppose, before we even get to the decision-making around a car, is knowing right from the start, what do I actually do with my salary? So as a principal, with your first salary, and this is certainly something I wish I'd been taught, sit and learn to pay yourself first. Let that be something that is part and parcel of your life as much as paying rent or paying for a car installment insurance is. Pay yourself first. And I use pay yourself first as opposed to saving because generally when we talk about saving, and I said this to Julian earlier, we talk about saving and people, it already, it's like you're denying me the pleasure of using my money, (laughs) you know? But when you say pay yourself first, elicits a different kind of emotion. Yeah. I'm taking care of myself, but I'm prioritizing my well-being. And I think when you're going into the working world, to start off with a blueprint and try your best to stick to it will make it easier to make the financial decisions that you need to make around acquiring debt. Um, debt can be a good or bad thing. And you know, it's car debt, it's credit card debt, it's so many things. And I say, these are the things I wish I'd learned because the first thing I heard was, oh, you need to build up your credit record so you can buy a car. I didn't even buy a car until like eight years after I started working. Okay. So I waited a very long time to buy a car. And even then, like I said, I didn't jump into car ownership. I took my time. Um, And for me, a car, as much as it's a necessity in today's world it's something that i think i'm in the fortunate enough position to say it's not a need it's not a must have i can be without a car and i'm quite comfortable with that but at the time of buying the car i needed it so i was fortunate that i'd learned the principles that i needed to i.e i'd made all my many mistakes with other smaller debt. So when it came to getting a car, I knew what affordability, when we talk about affordability, what does it actually mean? What can I afford? What is within my means? And how to manage that so that this wouldn't be an overwhelming thing that I kept on having to pour money into it without getting much joy out. And I think that's important. So 
You, yes, yes. So, so, Daniel, just coming back to what you say. So you could, as a young adult, you could take a pen and a page and you could write down your budget. Yes. You could say, I could accurately put down exactly how much I wish to spend um, for each expense I experience in my life. And obviously putting aside what needs to take care of myself. And unfortunately, the reality is we cannot... Um, confidently say that we can abide by that budget on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. and this is the reason why graduate finance affords you the opportunity one of not being able to have the credit history but not just being able to close your eyes and step into into financial debt you know because we be we giving you the opportunity to get it without um, a credit history but more around being savvy around your own uh, budgeting and understand what I have that I can utilize on my vehicle after I have taken care of myself mm-hmm. and taken care of all the other important things in in my level of hierarchy. Yeah, I just want to take a step back um, and to what you said, um, Daniel. You you made all these decisions, but it sounds like you made the decisions because you were informed with knowledge and equipped with knowledge, Gillian. Are youngsters today, um, the millennials of today, equipped with enough knowledge around vehicle finance? Look, they should be because maths literacy is very good in that regard. We like to look down on it, but actually it's a good subject. And when it's well taught, it deals with exactly these questions of if you get a six-month repayment holiday, how much do you owe at the end of that six months, which is, of course, the entire amount that the car is worth. So there's also a financial maths component to the what we used to call higher grade maths, to, yeah. to the maths paper. So where people are well taught, I think the gap is not applying it. So my plea is take what you know. You do know more than you think. You don't have to be reduced to saying, yes, okay, when somebody puts a pen in your hand and says, sign here, take everything you know, your family history, what you've learned in school, and say, where is this going to leave me? And particularly worry about multiple debt, because it's fine, you can afford the car. And then you forget that you've signed there and you decide you can afford something else. Treat your credit card like a debit card so that you haven't got that shock coming at the end of every month only spend what you've put into that credit card account and that gives you a lot more control over your finances piggy bank do you think that enough is being done in today's day and age with information around vehicle finance is there enough out there for youngsters to consume so i think like you said, Google is your friend. Yeah. Um, and for me, the journey um, of deciding to buy a car was a whole lot of consultations with Google, but also um, going to speak to people who had cars to be like, okay, what was your experience? What were the pitfalls? What are the pitfalls? And, you know, listening to all my friends complain about the fact that they have to pay for service, they have to pay for this. Now this has flown off. A wheel cap has gone. Somebody stole this a tire's gone missing, whatever the case might be, listen, talk, and discuss very openly. Ask them, when times are tough, how do you feel about it? You know, a lot of friends were saying, you know, I I remember I had 
a friend who had an Audi and she had to get rid of it. And that was also a very, um, you know, interesting seeing the emotional experience of her having to go through that and say, I cannot actually afford this um, and taking it back to the dealer. And that in and of itself was very eye opening, yeah. you know, because that was an experience that I didn't have to go through. But I learned immediately that, yeah, it's probably best that I stick, stay in my lane, really do the work to make sure that when I get to this, the amount of nasty surprises I encounter are minimal. Yeah. And there have been, you know, you go, now I need to change a tire. And actually, I hadn't thought about changing the tire or the spare tire is gone. And then you sort of, you know, when you replace your tire and then you forget that the, there's a tire that needs to be replaced. Yeah, yeah. And then the next thing happens and then you're like, mm, I hadn't planned for that. But all of that was part of the process of me learning that it's important to do my own research. Yeah. I was also fortunate that I got to write about this stuff. So during the process of asking about the car, I had the opportunity to write about it for um, the Sunday Times. So I did. And that also helped me gain a lot of perspective about what are the pertinent um, questions I need to be asking myself about affordability and so on. So I I want to touch on the, the emotional... Um component when it comes to buying a car i can tell you for free that um, i initially got myself a simple old kia because like i said i didn't want to get myself into any kind of debt very basic and i don't know weirdly enough after doing so much research and making sure i don't end up in debt a year later status kicked in you know nathaniel felt like you know what you know what i can i want a car with nice rooms you know what? I want a faster car. When I pull up to a red robot and there's this VW on this side and this, uh, you know, uh, faster car, I don't want to be at the back, you know? I want to be able to feel proud about parking in front, you know, and feel like, a, 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 I don't know, there's a certain level of masculinity that goes up, talking from a male perspective that, you know, if I'm in a nice car with leather seats, then maybe just maybe I won't, I won't have to have my Facebook profile on single anymore, you know? That's, so, and that, that's how important, like, a car is um, linked to, like, my personality and, and all of that. So, how do we manage our emotion? Because I can tell you, I was a victim. And right now, I, I think only because of maturity, I'm now sitting back and thinking, Nathaniel, all of this is not actually important. Like, this, this means absolutely nothing. Like, it's not going to get me anywhere. I'm not benefiting i'm still single <laughs> but <laughs> i'm not getting anywhere with this but i know a lot of other people that um, especially younger guys that and, and younger females that would fall into that very same trap but not hit that oh shucks i should probably not go into this with emotion how do we handle that how do we anyone so for me because i also came um from that background where yeah car is status yeah. um, and for my family as well um, car is status oh, and yeah. so it was for the longest time like I said eight years after working I decided to buy a car and everyone was like please buy a nice car yeah. and then I bought a Corsa and everyone was like really <laughs> that's the best you could do really you know? they didn't have anything else <laughs> <laughs> BMW nyana. Yes. and then I was like yeah no mm -mm, it's fine um, but for me that happened as a result of me going through the roller coaster of going through the debt trap, working my way out, knowing the terror of 
what over-indebtedness meant for me. Um, at one point in my life, I faced homelessness, you know. So right now, debt and I are, whew, it's, you know, we, we have, I respect it, okay. Um, I respect it because I'm also aware of the very, like how extensive the harm can be if you misuse it. And I was lucky in that I learned those lessons very early on before I bought a house and, you know, done big adult things. And it was just, you know, recklessness really of youth. But um, for me, it's also detaching myself and my worth from things, right? Um, And I know with the car, it's easy. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a woman, so it doesn't matter. Um, But no, actually, that's false because all the other women in my family drive really fancy cars and that matters to them. Um, But I just... I entered a new phase in my life where I had to really be clear about what was meaningful and mattered to me. And being surrounded as well by people, I work um, with people who are very clear and, you know, we talk about investing a lot. We talk about stock markets a lot. So my perception of status changed from things to acquiring assets that help me, you know, uh, make will free up my money and my time at a later stage. So right now, because of that mindset where I'm going, I'm quite happy to have a cheap car, but invest. Um, That works for me, you know. Um, And recently, my car was written off. um, And everyone was like, oh, oh, now she's going to get the big car. Because, and I said, I'm not getting any car. Um, And everyone in my family was a bit like, what? And I said, I'm going to save until I can afford the car that I want and pay for it cash. But I'm in the position to do that. So that's also not an approach that I understand. It's not realistic for everyone. I'm in a position to do that. I live close to work. It works for me. But the emotional aspect is something that if you deal with it sooner, it stops being a problem because the status thing never ends, right? Yep. In your 30s and your 40s, it just becomes bigger status things, this bigger house, true. bigger this, yes. bigger that. Yes. So deal with it early. Don't tie it to your self-worth. That way it's much easier to move through life. And what, when your friends are getting fancy cars, you go, it's cool. I've got my old little thing, but or my thing that I've had for five years and I'm not going to replace it because... I need to start saving for a house or I need to start building, you know, because I want to retire at 40, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Arash, so we know, uh, we know that um, purchasing a vehicle is an emotional purchase, but attaching status to an emotional purchase is, is certainly not the grand gesture. Status brings on debt. Debt brings on bad debt. Bad debt is not what West Bank wants. We are equally um, of the opinion that the the young adult should actually be able to afford what he is purchasing as opposed to over-indebt himself in order to to be recognized amongst his peers and to display that certain amount of status. And and this is what we're encouraging, um, you know, as part of young adulting. We are committed to educating these young adults around ensuring that you're making a responsible purchase when you enter into graduate finance. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been very um, informative. Um, Twitter, oh gosh, I, I, I've, I've 
the, I slipped the name. Tweeting Gogo. Tweeting Gogo. Um, one last comment from you. Yes, Deneo said something very important. She said, my friends are also concerned with investment. And that's how we measure our worth. Pick your friends, but be honest with them. You'll be surprised how many people will agree with you when you say, I'm buying my peace of mind. I'm buying sleeping well at night with this courser that mm. the rest of you laugh at. So if you are honest and share your fears, ask people what keeps them awake at night. Mm. You'll learn a lot and surround yourself with people who have the same financial values as you do. And you won't know that until you ask them. And this is true because transparent. I, I did this video where I said, um, <laughs> I said that people know how to pretend very, very well. And because of the pretending, you fall for the lie. And when you fall for the lie, which is the status and all of that, you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, like, I mean, not that everyone should show their payslip, but people are p protective of their payslips and, and what is actually being debited every month, you know? Um, so yeah, transparency with real people around you is important and having those motivating kind of conversations and, and learning consistently because I can tell you now I've learned a lot um, from this half an hour conversation already. Um, to everyone, thank you so much for joining. This has been a very insightful um, conversation, Adulting 101. If you um, have been interested or um, you've had your curiosity sparked and um, you are that young millennial um, that has just graduated um, and maybe you in the working force just three months in and you on the brink of buying a car. I'm truly hoping that um, this conversation has opened your mind to information that you might not have known and um, you make informed um, decisions going forward when it comes to not only vehicle finance but your finance portfolio in general all right um, if you have any other comments um, and you want to engage with us do do that in the comment section below if you want to share your story um, maybe you were first generation car owner and you unawares of um certain things that uh, maybe your mom or your dad or whoever in your uh, friendship group has never told you about and has not, not warned you about. Um, we want to hear your stories. We want to uh, engage with you. And who knows, you might be part of our uh, Adulting 101 sessions um, sharing your story, which nine times out of ten would connect with so many other people. You never know. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Adulting 101, brought to you by West Bank Finance for Young Professionals.